You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for the first movie review we've had probably in about a month and a half now. We're here not to talk about the movie you expect, which would be Aquaman, or another movie you expect, which would be Mary Poppins. We're here to talk about a movie that very few people had interest in, but uh, I'm kind of hoping a lot of people check out now, because it is shockingly good um, against all odds. I'm talking about Bumblebee, uh, whether you want to call it the sixth Transformers movie, seventh Transformers movie, if you include the animated one, uh, or first Transformers spinoff. It's been out for about a week right now, and as I said, it is shockingly good. Uh, my name is Colin, and uh, when I was going through puberty, I stole some stuff. I stole a box of Malamars once. Sorry, give me a minute. And my name is Rick, and um, you better not tell anyone about this or else I'll run you over with my car. You, you're not even old enough to have a license yet, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, That's a movie if, quote. If uh, if you listened to a couple of other episodes, we did it. I think for the Last Jedi, we did it for um, Homecoming. Sp- segments for Spider-Man: Homecoming. I brought on my nephews just kind of get a different perspective, younger pr- perspective on some of these movies. And you did join uh, both myself, Ben, and Mallory for the Infinity War review. And yeah. we, we apologized everybody for the Infinity War review, but. Uh, <laughs> Since this is the first time I've seen a movie with another person who's willing to appear on the air, thank you very much, Jamie, who's decided that she no longer has the energy to record things with us, hence why we're not talking about Aquaman or Mary Poppins or anything else like that. Um, We're going to record this, and we'll see how it goes. And remember, remember, keep it professional. You don't have to giggle like... (laughs) Child, I'm sorry, but some things are worth to laugh about. Oh yeah, I bet they are, because I am generally hilarious. Anyways, Bumblebee. This is not the movie that I expected. Uh, I'd be rushing on here to do a review, but well, we literally got out of this movie 15 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Walked right back here, hit record. So we're talking about this very little prep here, very little discussion about what we thought. But uh, why don't you start us off? Just, uh, Rick, what did you think about Bumblebee, the first Transformers spinoff? I think it was pretty good, actually. Um, I thought it was... For the trailers, I thought it was it was already going to be good because I think trailers are one thing to get you interested, but... That's the purpose of them, yeah. But I still think that this movie was pretty good. And... Um, yeah. I don't know what else to say, but you could... Go well, ahead with your thoughts. Th- thanks, thanks. I've got permission from the host there. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of said it all at the beginning. I mean, this movie is shockingly good. I mean, it's it's better than it has any business being. And this is coming from somebody who was a Transformers fan growing up. Like, I love the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really enjoyed the first Transformers movie. Um, I couldn't honestly tell you that I cared for any of the Transformers ones after that. Uh, I saw them all. Some of them were okay. Some of them were, you know, below average. <coughs> the last night. <coughs> yeah, I, I'll actually, we'll, we'll surprise you on the end of this. Last night is not my least favorite Transformers movie. But, uh, like, this movie completely revived my interest in Transformers. Like, it, A, the, the big thing is it takes place in the 80s, in 1987. So we're talking about, like, at the height of Transformers popularity. Mm-hmm. So for anybody that did grow up on this, like I did in the 80s or the 90s, I mean, this is so retro. Yeah, the, the, yeah. the setting of it, you get the, the soundtrack, everything, it, it all looks very 80s, which we'll talk about a little bit, 
but also just for the opening sequences, I mean, we get to see like the fall of Cybertron. This is the prequel to the original Transformers movie. We see yeah. how did Cybertron fall. And we're seeing all these characters that have been in the newer movies, like Optimus Prime, mm-hmm. Bumblebee, or Soundwave, which is one I was really excited about, mm-hmm. in their oh, 80s yeah. form. That so pretty <laughs> particularly cool. Optimus Prime, I turned to you and said, that's like retro Optimus Prime. Like He looks exactly like he stepped out of the animated series. This right. isn't like a live-action Michael Bay update. This is a classic 80s Optimus Prime we get to see. And I mean, those things alone, that kind of make this movie worth seeing. I like it that it's in the 80s cuz if you're going to put a, if you're going to make a Bumble movie Bumblebee movie in the in this years then it's not going to be as good but I liked it how they set up in the 80s. Well, that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, the uh the Michael Bay Transformers movies, I mean, I think they made a ton of money up until the last night. And last night still made a good amount of money, but it was about half of what all the others made. Um and nobody really thought these movies were brilliant, but there was still an audience for them. And I think it's just, it's reached the point where there's so many other things out there, uh, particularly if you look at like Pacific Rim now. Um, y- you see like these giant robots and it's nothing new. It's nothing special the way it was. Maybe even in 2007, it was still special. Yeah, I haven't even seen it, so I don't know what you're talking about, but go yeah, ahead. Well, go ahead, okay. <laughs> but yeah, like Pacific Rim, I think, has completely outclassed Transformers now, which is one of the reasons that, you know, interest is down in Transformers series. But to make this. The, the 80s look kind of like you said it it it's it doesn't feel special in modern day but you set this in an 80s setting where there's not so much technology and they can play on little things like you know uh you have decepticons who are essentially creating the internet in this movie <laughs> yeah basically but we're living like in the modern transformers movies where the technology is so you know uh old well it's it, it's old just in the terms of, like, everybody's seen it in a movie, but, you know, the, the movie's so filled with technology and Autobots and Decepticons and even humans can do pretty much anything that it's mm-hmm. just it's not special. So placing this in a past setting, even just surrounding with government agencies, like the, the government agency in this Sector 7, which appears in the other Transformers movie, mm-hmm. you know, we get to see kind of the beginnings of that as well. And yeah. they're blown away. They're like, uh, how is this robot talking? Like, yeah. it, it, you're making it wow to the characters, so it kind of instantly becomes more of a wow to the audience. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Dynamite drop-in. That's why you're the... Color man here on this. Um, and just to warn you, Ben is not here or Maori, so don't worry. It's well, just, this is the uncle. It's an uncle and nephew review. That's right. Uh, if Ben and Mallory were here, we definitely would be hearing from them by now. Um, but uh, no, I mean this movie has no business being this good, <clears throat> partly because the Transformers movies have just been so blah up until this point. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I need a disclaimer. You know. There have been a lot of positive reviews out there that have said, this is the best Transformers movie ever. And a lot of people kind of laugh and say, well, there's not a lot of competition there. I'm going to go as far as to say, like, if this were the only Transformers movie ever made, people would be like, wow, how did you translate toys into such a great movie? Because this is just, Mm -hmm. even outside of the regular Transformers series, this is a really solid movie. And I don't know. know. and And I don't know if you notice this, but there are alarming similarities to E.T. Like, have you ever seen E.T.? Yeah. Um, I've heard of it, but I have not seen oh, the movie. But you're I familiar with so, it, right? I'm familiar with it. I've heard the title. I've heard the movie before. <laughs> You've my, heard the title. Okay. My brothers actually watched it before, and they were talking like, oh, this is so good. I was like, nah, I don't like aliens touching fingers with other people. Well, so. now, if you like Bumblebee, you'll like E.T., because uh, Bumblebee is like, you know, E.T.'s robot cousin. I mean, <laughs> there, there are so many similarities in this movie. It takes place oh, yeah. in like an 80s suburb mm-hmm. involving a lonely kid who 
twos. I love that you're counting along. I'm, I'm literally counting fingers here. I'm like, one, uh, suburb, two, lonely kid. And you're counting along with me, even though you have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, I'm trying to have a clue what you're talking about. Okay, but uh, lonely kid. You're still counting along. Okay, just <laughs> lonely kid uh, who's, I guess, in E.T., it's more a product of divorce or parent separation. Here, it's like not so much orphan, but lost parent. Um, yeah. you have making this alien friend that nobody else can know about and she's hiding them one or two people find out literally when the only other character finds Bumblebee outside of the main character Charlie in this it plays out exactly like the brothers and sisters find E.T. in the original hmm. you eventually have the government agencies tracking down E.T. slash Bumblebee and you eventually have some type of attack where you think E.T. slash Bumblebee is dead only to have the child or teenager in this case crying over the dead corpse of E.T. slash Bumblebee this isn't too much of a spoiler only to have E.T. slash Bumblebee come back to life uh, and the entire movie is, is all nice. about sending a message home to tell the rest of their kind where they are this is E.T. and I don't hate it for it I mean, it, it's it's not like it's a complete knockoff. It's it's kind of just like a, a nice a tribute to E.T. in some mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And you haven't seen <laughs> E.T. Do you want to count along with me? Two, three, four. <laughs> Anyways, but, but oh, like boy. I ran through the story of E.T. there. But the story itself is pretty basic in this. But I mean, mm-hmm. what did you think of the story and how it played out here? Especially it's... compared to the other Transformers movies that are more just about like mythology and military and government stuff. I mean, yeah. this was a simple kind of human story. Yeah, this is really simple. Like, this, like, Cybertron's falling. This, they send a rope. They send Bumblebee or whatever. Or, or B217, I think? Was that uh, the... B127 is his B-127. actual B-127. given yeah. name. And then, I don't know how why that he gives that name where other, other of the robots get cool names like Wheel, Jack, Cliff yeah. Jumper... Um, RC, I don't understand why they give him such a bad B-127? name. B127? I mean, because he's still a kid. That names come with puberty. <laughs> Along with yeah. theft, as we learned in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it's simple. They send a robot to Earth. They check it out. build a base. He runs down. Someone appears out of nowhere. And it's just pretty, it's just pretty basic. And I like yeah. that about well, this. Well, and it fits more with Transformers. I mean... <clears throat> The Michael Bay movies, I think the first one kind of hit it, and then the other ones became so convoluted, like I said, with mythology, mm-hmm. like we eventually got into in The Last Night and everything. Uh, well, even the other ones, like by the time they brought in the moon landings, and then dinosaurs, and then you know, King Arthur and all this stuff. Uh, and then the other part being like overuse of the military and government conspiracies and stuff like that, that it's almost too... I mean, it's dumb. There is nothing smart about Michael Bay movies, but it's almost too complicated for just kids to watch. And I think yeah. this movie is perfect because, like, you're how old now? 15? Yeah. You're 15. I'm older than 15. Um, <laughs> we can both enjoy this movie. And there were other adults in the theater that I heard saying, like, wow, that was a really good movie. Like, actually surprised. That was really good. But I think a five-year-old could watch this movie, and it's perfectly appropriate. It's not so violent or anything. that I, I go as far as to say I think this movie in some ways is maybe a more appropriate movie to watch than you know any of the marvel movies out there for kids oh, but yet yeah. it doesn't feel like it is a kiddie movie like we could enjoy this yeah even being older than kids anyone right? could enjoy this even a baby could enjoy this a baby probably could i'll show it to casper we'll see <laughs> but like good luck with that you, you know how uh, overdone and this sounds like i'm just trashing on the michael bay movies and i'm not really i'm just trying to draw the comparison for people who think well, I didn't like Transformers movies. I'm not going to like this. It is completely different. 
and <clears throat> uh, especially with um, the, the uh, now you're not only imitating I I count and you're imitating one two three I cough like, what else do I have to do that you're gonna imitate here I don't know you're speaking I'm speaking okay do an I'm impression speaking. of me do an impression of me okay there we go well, anyways I'm doing something like that um, <laughs> you were saying but like it's so packed with just action and special effects and just explosions and that's kind of the Michael Bay thing and there's some people who like that but this movie's not that at all in fact if we really run through it what action is there in this movie like run down for me the action sequences well we have the fights we have some of the explosions well, specifically hmm. like like the opening yeah. sequence on Cybertron it's yeah. maybe 5-10 minutes mm-hmm. uh, we got a brief sequence on Earth right Right. when, when Bumblebee lands there a bit of a chase yeah. scene what's the next action sequence the next action sequence does not happen until like I think like Thirty minutes after. Oh, like, way longer. Oh, way longer. But it's <laughs> it, ha- it happens when when those when these two robots. I forgot their names. What are they called? I the the, the villains of the movie. The villains of the movie. The main villains. Shatter and Dropkick. Shatter and Dropkick. Kick. When they're finding Cliff Jumper on another planet, and then they receive well, the and, single. And that's, that's how. They, that's how this movie. That's but how here's they get the thing: the Decepticons into the other world. Yeah, that's, that's probably how starts. That's how they start save the, saving the world sequence for Bumblebee. Right, but if we're talking about action sequences, like big blow up action sequences, there's the opening two sequences, as I said, which is like the first 15 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. and then it's more than an hour to the movie, and there's a car chase, which I barely even clarify it or say, say that it's not really an action sequence it's more just a a fun chase scene where the police are chasing after bumblebee who's kind of half transforming half driving with charlie in the car and everything yeah that's an action sequence but that's halfway through the movie Mm -hmm. we don't get anything else until the climax of the movie and it's not like one of these movies where the last 45 minutes is a massive battle like in some of the transformers movies yeah it's kind of just the last last 10 minutes yeah like 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 the last night it was a big action sequence like the humans teaming up with the Autobots and mm-hmm. then trying well, to but, defeat this Quinces who's trying to bring um, Unicron to Earth. Yeah, you know, you're, you're was, very familiar with it last night. I am really familiar with it. But I, I actually liked it the first time, but then when I watched it again, I was like, eh, this sucks. But, but I would actually stick. I would actually curse Michael Bay because this because I was, <laughs> I would know what we're to gonna do. curse Michael Bay here. <laughs> um, but this movie's so light on action, but the action they have is good. Yeah. But the appeal of this movie is kind of – it's just in the charm of Bumblebee as a character who does less talking in this than the other movies. And if anybody's seen the movies, Bumblebee does not talk. He kind of communicates through flipping through radio stations. Mm-hmm. He does even less in this movie because it's halfway through the movie before he even gets that ability. It's kind of just you know eye movements. There's a lot of points when he meets Charlie, the main character, yeah. where it's like – he's going to notion his head in a certain way or shrug, and that's the only way he communicates. And we get more character out of Bumblebee than we get out of most humans in the Michael Bay movies. And Bumblebee does not like 80s rock, like Never Gonna Give You Up by... Yeah, he does not like those at all. There are some good shots at 80s culture, but I mean, at the same time, I think one of the other fun things about this movie is it embraces the 80s culture. You haven't seen the TV show Stranger Things, have you? Never. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Great show. Um, But... Sorry, I've not seen any of the shows you're talking about, Uncle Colin. Okay, but... Any of the movies, but for that matter. The TV show Stranger Things embraces the 80s culture in a way where it's not like there are movies out there that will make it too obvious that, hey, look at these funny things from the 80s, like the big massive hair or, you know, a mullet oh, yeah. or... Uh, yeah, those st- things were really popular in the 80s. Yeah, this movie, it's... It's almost like you're just watching something from the 80s where it's not drawing your attention to how 
awful everything looks or how bad some of the music is. It's just, it's like it exists in the 80s movie. And you see certain things that you wouldn't expect to see unless you were just looking back on the 80s culture. Mm. Like some technology, like the Walkmans we see and uh, the little handheld portable TV thing that a guy has, which would have been new tech in 87. What? I have no the guy at the junkyard who's trying to get oh. the little portable oh, yeah. TV to work. <laughs> that, yeah. And he does not, and spoiler, he does not figure out how to fix it. No, uh, but yeah, there's just, <laughs> there's a fun way that this movie looks at the 80s where there are yeah. points where like Never Gonna Give You Up is shoved into the cassette tape, uh, the cassette deck, and only Bumblebee like, literally vomits it out. Only for like two or three seconds. Yeah, but it's not like they're they're trying to make a joke of, look how bad the 80s is. Like, it, it, this yeah. is almost like... The way I felt is if they had the technology to make a Transformers movie in 1987, this is exactly the way the movie would have been. It's just the effects would have been worse. Mm -hmm, But the the movie itself just exists as if you made this movie in the 80s, which is really impressive they were able to pull that off. Yeah, I know. And how much did it get for their box office? Uh, Well, it did okay. It did, uh, I think, about $35 million for the the five-day weekend. Wow. Uh, It's on par with Mary Poppins Returns right now. I mean, Mm. everything's being blown out of the water by Aquaman, though. Oh, yeah. That's the biggest difference. But We'll talk about that tomorrow. Well, obviously, him and Ben, uh, but not me. Yeah, Aquaman is coming, people. But not Um, me. I'm not coming to that. (laughs) I just wanted to give credit to the director, Travis Knight, because this is the big change from Michael Bay. Now, Travis Knight has not made a live-action movie yet. He did an animated movie called Kubo and the Two Strings. Never heard of it. It's kind of a Japanese-style... Combined with like old uh, stop motion animation, I think I've actually heard of the movie before. The reason I bring up it's animated is because there's something about these animated directors doing live action movie where they just bring a different visual look. Where it's not about the visual look of uh, you know the special effects or anything. It's just about how they visually like the way that the camera sort of even films live action characters in this is impressive. And movies that you will know, like did you ever see John Carter? You should see John Carter. Good movie. The director of Finding Nemo did John Carter. Oh, Then you really? have Brad Bird, who did The Incredibles and yes. Ratatouille, who oh, made his live-action debut with Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Oh, he did that? Brad yeah. Bird directed it? Yeah. And I never knew that. When we did uh, the, the Ghost Protocol review earlier this year, I was bringing up to Ben certain things about how... It, the movie looked like an animated movie, even though it was live-action, just in the, the way that certain scenes were staged and the way comedy was played. And you kind of have the same quality here. So, uh, you know, we're kind of in, within the past year, uh, people are looking at, you know, how, and I don't know if you can give any comment on this or not, but it's still, it's something that needs to be said. But uh, you look at like what Patty Jenkins did with Wonder Woman, where people like, we've never seen an action movie or a special effects movie, a blockbuster made by a woman before. And this woman presented the movie in a way that a guy wouldn't have presented it. You take Ryan Coogler, what he did with Black <clears throat> Panther. It's, presented in a way that a white director wouldn't have presented in that way. Mm-hmm. And these animated directors are actually presenting movies visually and even staging movies in a way where it, a live-action director would never think about it. So mm-hmm. there's just there's something different about this movie, the same as Ghost Protocol or John Carter or some of these other ones where these animated directors have made the jump to live-action. Yeah. that just feels different. And it kind of feels fresh, which is something the Transformers movie has been struggling with. Right. It's been one style for <clears throat> 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Michael Bay. Uh-huh. Sorry, Michael Bay. And just to let you know, Michael Bay is one of the producers, so there's a fun produces. fact. Yeah. So that's a fun fact. But it, like, it does not feel in any way like – it feels like it exists in the same universe because there are references to the other stories. Particularly, this is about like how Bumblebee got to Earth, and we will – 
you see the transition. A, yeah. it's him in the, the Volkswagen Beetle form, which is from the cartoons. Right. But we do see the Camaro and how that eventually will yeah. evolve later in the movie. <laughs> um, we won't spoil how that comes up. But yeah, there's references. So this still exists. It is a prequel. But yeah. it, it just doesn't feel like a Michael Bay movie. And it's so no, good it for doesn't. that. Um, the human characters. This is the thing that really surprised me in the movie. Because Michael Bay's human characters, I uh. go as far as to say that they're... They're not boring, um, <laughs> but it's like an excess of quirkiness, you know, where every character just has to be on a scale of one to ten. They have to be a 15, you know, right. and there's so much subtlety with the human characters in this. Like, again, you wouldn't think in a, a movie that's actually more of a kid's movie than the other Transformers would be the human characters would be so good. But these human characters are kind of what holds the movie together. I mean, they, they have more to do than... than um, we really only have Bumblebee and then two Decepticons that are more like henchmen in this movie. Mm-hmm. These human characters right. are fantastic. Like, primarily talking about Charlie, the main character, uh, the actress Haley Steinfeld, got an Oscar nomination when she was only 13 Wow! for uh, the movie True Grit. Never Since heard then, of it. she's mostly made young adult movies, like the Pitch Perfect movies. She was in Ender's Game. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, and Ender's, uh, oh, Ender's Game. Yeah, she played uh, the, the female lead in Ender's Game. Wow, but I did not know that. she's mostly been doing like these teen movies. I was not excited for this. I thought, I thought she was really good in True Grit when I saw that. I didn't mind her in Ender's Game, but like, she's not an actress that I really have cared for in any of the other things I've seen. Maybe it's just the movies she makes kind of suck, at least for me, for my demographic. So I was kind of dreading her being in this movie, but she is so good in this movie. Like, you really actually feel for her character. Mm-hmm. And you oh, were kind yeah. of mentioning to Auntie Jamie, you know, before we started recording here, about how good the relationship is between Bumblebee. Like, talk about that for a bit. Well, the relationship between Bumblebee and um, Charlie was really, really interesting. Like, it's like like you said about with E.T., it's like the same relationship. Like, <laughs> like the movie you haven't seen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, the relationship is really, really... They took it... They it's taken to a whole different level. I, I would thought it would just be a, a little relationship, like like maybe a pet with a dog, like mm-hmm. a girl with a dog. But it's taken a lot. Well, yeah, it's like it's taken a lot higher, like a girlfriend and a boyfriend. It's taken, it's <laughs> well, like that kind of. Let's level. not give you the wrong idea. This isn't the Shape of Water here, but I know. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, what I can never see that movie before, so I'm just gonna shut up but, about that uh, one. <laughs> but let me let me kind of pull it all together. What you're trying to say here, you look at the original Transformers movies and like Shia LaBeouf's character in the first three, right? Um, he has this relationship with Bumblebee, which is kind of more just fun and comedy. And they force this whole thing about how, don't die, Bumblebee, I love you, Bumblebee. You don't feel there's any relationship there. Because they made this girl a loner, and that's the other thing that really works, is I'm so tired of these blockbusters where the lead characters have to be kind of cool. Or maybe they're a loner, but they're a loner only because they're cool. She's yeah. a loner because she's she she's not cool. And, and she's, she's had a hard life basically. Well, she's had a hard year, but this movie, that's the other thing I'll talk about in a second when it comes to the other characters, but this movie doesn't make it like she's a victim. Like it's, it's kind of like she's a loner. She's kind of slobbish. She's not trying to impress anybody, but it's not like one of these characters like, well, other people just don't get her because she's unique. It's like, no, she's kind of a jerk. (laughs) I mean, she's not nice to her family. She's not nice to the people around her. Um, they kind of, they make a joke throughout the movie about like some of her family members talking about like you need to smile more as if oh, yeah, well they just book. don't well they just don't get her. But when you really pay attention to this movie, I mean she has a problem. She's she's antisocial yeah. in an unpleasant way, and so her being a loner in this movie that is not cool makes her so much more relatable. 
But they do such a good job where there's a scene where she kind of breaks down and sort of tells her story to Bumblebee, yeah. where it's actually really sad. I know. And the way Bumblebee, this this animated robot, comforts her, I'm like, this is quite touching. Exactly. Like I was saying, it's like a relationship with a boyfriend and a girlfriend. No, it's not it's like the a same boyfriend. Thing. Would you stop saying boyfriend and girlfriend? People are going to get the wrong idea about this. I, you. No, it's, I'm it's just giving like, my own opinion. You this know what it's wrong. like? It's like two friends who don't have anybody else, you know? It's like the kids, all the things you haven't seen, like the kids from Stranger Things or E.T. and Elliot, those type of things. It's not boyfriend and girlfriend. Let's not give the wrong idea. I I, I get what you're saying about that, but other people are going to think something different. Um, Better not post any comments on Twitter or Facebook. No, no. Please, please, please don't. (laughs) Anyways, the other human characters in this, so um, I had no idea who this guy was. I thought that he would have been like a huge star because he's so good in this movie. This guy... Uh, Jorge David Lendeborg Jr. I think Jr. it's George. No, I think it's, I, George. I think it's pronounced Jorge. Well, maybe you should search up on Google Translate and figure out how it actually is All right, is let's see. How do you pronounce J-O-R-G-E? Jorge is an acceptable pronunciation. Of the Spanish sound, which is a soft version of the sound of... George is definitely the incorrect pronunciation. Anyways. Well, he's Spanish that. There you go. That's a fun Anyways, fact. This, this guy who plays Memo, who's, I guess, the male lead, uh, the friend of Charlie's in this, who really comes into the movie only halfway through. Again, yeah. so good in this movie. He's funny without being, like, annoying. And What did he do, even? Well, I don't know. That's, that's oh, Spider-Man Homecoming. I he don't... had a small role in Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't even know what he did in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, this guy's literally done nothing. Um, Except for Bumblebee, which was pretty awesome now. Yeah, and I thought that this was going to be like one of these Disney stars or something because he's such a prominent role in this movie. And he is very charismatic without being annoying. Like I said, he's really good. The other family members, again, the way the movie presents the the other family members, at first you think that they're the ones that just don't get Charlie and stuff like that. But like by the end of the movie, you realize like they're kind of right in their own way. Yeah. Um, this one kid played uh, Greg in The Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul. He oh, plays really? the brother. Oh, really? Um, he did? I, I did not know that. The mom and the stepdad, I guess. Oh, the mom is the mom does the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Um, I never knew that. Anyways, what did the dad so do? So she's a voice actor. Uh, I don't know, but I recognize him from Zombie. But again, another guy is just. But anyways, all these actors are really good. John Cena. Let's talk about him. You know who John Cena is, right? I think so. <laughs> He's a pro wrestler. Oh, I never watched WWE. Well, I, most people know who The Rock is, even if they haven't seen WWE. John Cena is kind of the same level. I mean, he is the biggest wrestling star of like the last 15 years. He's, and coming in as a movie star. He's this I, generation's Rock, this generation's Hulk Hogan. You can't see me, the Marion. Okay. Yeah, okay. so he, he had a movie career. Well, they tried to give him a movie career like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Uh, but it's only the last couple of years when he started doing comedies like Blockers and Trainwreck. So this is his first, I guess, major starring role outside of like the supporting roles he's done in oh, comedies. Yeah. Um, I thought he was going to have a much bigger role in this movie. And also, if we're going to say some of the things that are going to be different than you expect, John Cena's role is a lot smaller than I thought, considering he's on the poster. I thought this was going to be like a co-starring role. You know, it would be like him and Haley Seinfeld. But, like, he, he's very much the antagonist of this movie. That's the other thing. I wouldn't go so far as to call him a villain, but he is the antagonist of this movie. Do you have any thoughts on John Cena and what he brought to this movie? Um, he brought a lot. I think he brought a little bit to this movie. I liked how he <laughs> has to transition from the villain to actually caring. Well, spoiler, in a way, Spoiler for that. He 
care. He now cares for Bumblebee. He sort of. So, I mean, yeah, kind of. But like the movie spends the majority of the time <clears throat> making him an antagonist, though. But here's what I thought was they kind of missed with him. A, you're getting John Cena. You're getting this guy who's this mountain of muscle. He's very charismatic. They give him an opening scene where he's really funny. And then everything else after that opening scene, he's just kind of a dull, bland military guy. Mm-hmm. And you get this guy who, like I said, is a mountain of muscle. He's a huge guy. Like, I'll show you, you know, John Cena, what, what he looks like. And you'll see, when you look at this guy. Oh, wow. You expect him to have some action scenes. But I don't think he does anything physical in this entire movie. Oh, boy. So if there's anybody in this movie that's wasted, it's John Cena. Oh, I don't know. I do not like that at all. Even you brought that up. I do not like that at all. You don't like why? Because he's shirtless and muscular? And oh come on! Are you going to start the same day that we did in Avengers: Infinity War? Are you seriously? <laughs> Jamie's not on this episode. Somebody's got to bring it up. You wa- <coughs> watch Avengers: Infinity War. You'll uh, review. You'll know why we're mad at each other. <laughs> Will you? Okay. Um, I'm not okay with this. Anyways. I'm a teenager. Uh, what am I supposed to know about shortlist men? Nothing. Not much, dude. That's why you need Jamie on here. But um, also, the other thing, if people are deceived uh, from the trailers, you really don't have much of a role for Optimus Prime. Although I'll say I was very happy with what they did have because yeah. he is all over the first 10 minutes and of this movie. Peter Cullen voice. He, he does the voice all the way back to the animated series. Right. Um, oh, as you said, that. some other Autobots, we've seen this like RC and Wheeljack, Cliffjumper. I did not notice. I did not see a, a lot of the ones from the Wheeljack. movies like Ratchet and Iron High apparently appear in this movie, but it's like blink and you miss it. Uh, yeah. Soundwave, which everybody got excited about because it still has like the tape deck sound wave and yeah. it's the old school like Soundwave voice, you know? And then Brief he, appearance in the and beginning. Then he gets, and then he gets that cool cat thing yeah. out of his tape thing. Yeah, yeah, Ravager or whatever. Ravager, whatever his name is. <laughs> but um, primarily... <coughs> sorry, you're going to imitate my cough again? <laughs> there we go. Um, but I think this movie is essentially just Bumblebee on Earth, and we get the Shatter and Dropkick, who are kind of the Decepticon henchmen who go to battle later. But... I'm a little bit disappointed that they not that they did not show Megatron. I was no. I was hoping that they would at least get one scene of him battling Optimus. I'm, but I'm happier was, they didn't. I'm not happy. I just I still wanted to see him. I wanted to see him like in in his 80s mode. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to see that. But no, that would be fun. But, but there's room in sequels. Yeah, like Optimus, like the like they're probably making an Optimus Prime. I, it would be movie. fun. I think that's the future of the series. I mean, they've kind of exhausted everything they could do, even though they ended off the last night on this tease yeah. of look at where we're going in the next movie, which may or may not happen now because you know the box office was down for it. Uh, I'd much rather they just do these standalone movies or just do stuff set in the eighties. Like that's what's fun. It made this movie more fun or just give every movie to Travis Knight and and take it away from Michael oh, Bay. Yeah, and I'm not a Michael Bay hater. Michael Bay has made some. Really great movies. Like, oh. the first Bad Boys movie, great. I've never seen it. The first Transformers movie, great. You saw that one, right? Yeah, I saw that one. Okay. That was good. Um, uh, what are some of the good Michael Bay movies? Uh, I don't know. Armageddon's okay. I've never the seen The Rock, it. fantastic. The Rock, oof. Yeah, The Rock is it. great. I've never heard of it. Uh, the Island was pretty good. Never heard of it. Uh, he's made some good movies, but um, he's just... <sighs> He's run out of ideas, and Michael Bay works best when he's not given, like, complete creative control. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, he's, again, like he said, just give the trans, just give something to Travis Knight, and he'll work something out. Yeah, he, I, Travis Knight's... I'm just excited to see what Travis Knight does in any movie, because 
you again, you would not expect the Bumblebee movie to be as good as it is, and I think all the credit has to go to Travis Knighton here. Plus the screen, the screenwriter Christina Hodson. I'm gonna see what else she wrote uh, because the script for this movie is actually really good too. Birds of uh, she's prey. She's basically done that. Oh, she's doing the Birds of Prey movie. That's gonna be cool. I never heard of Birds. You don't oh, know Birds oh, of Prey? I've, is? Oh, I, I've heard of it. I've watched, the Huntress. I think I heard of it. It's um, I saw Harley Quinn. I saw an episode of that um on um. What was it called? Batman the Brave and the Bold? They were like teasing birds yeah. of prey? Yeah, like I mean, that they've, kind of, they've like, done different see, variations. Did you, did you see, yeah, like it was Black Canary, Huntress, Cat, Cat, Woman, Cat, Yeah, they've cat had lady, different ones. Whatever, whatever the cat I think lady they're is. using Harley Quinn in the new hmm. one in place of, uh, well, they're going to do Black Canary, Huntress, and Harley Quinn. But well, yeah. that's going to be pretty good. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the, the creative team behind this movie, everything in this movie works except for John Cena. Let's just say it. Uh, and I don't <laughs> just, mind John Cena. Just, just you, I would have liked if he got a bigger, if he had more screen time, if he had a bigger role. And I his shirt had, off. No. <laughs> I would, I would, I would smack the mic right now and maybe, and run away if All I right. wanted to, but I'm not going to do that. Anyways, everything about this movie works. Um, what are we going to do? Or let's save that for a second, because before we get to this, the first five Transformers movies. Oh, no. I like to do this with Jamie, but she never remembers anything. Uh, let's rank the first five Transformers movies. So we have. First Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. You said uh, that it sucks. Yeah, I did say it sucks. But but hold on, what was the third one called again? It was The Dark of the Moon. The That's, Dark of the Moon. Which was... Age of Extinction, which was the first one they brought in Mark Wahlberg and the Dinobots. <laughs> and then the new one, The Last Night. So rank those. What's your favorite out of those? Rank one why to five. You start, why don't you start? Because you're the okay, host, well, typically. The first one, the first Transformers, is by far the best. It's the only one that I actually have really rewatched and would rewatch again. Uh, I think it's an underrated movie now because people just dump on Transformers so much because of how bad the sequels are. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't give the first one enough credit because it really is good. What's uh, your second favorite? My second favorite, believe it or not, considering this is one of the ones people hated, would be Age of Extinction, the first one that brought in Mark mm-hmm. Wahlberg and the oh, Dinobots. They had two villains. It was, Mega, it was Megatron and Sh- whatever that guy whatever that guy was. I don't remember his it name. It was too long of a movie. And again, I do not love this movie, but maybe because I went in with low expectations and everybody's like, this movie's so bad. I'm like, it was not that bad. I kind of liked age of extinction uh the third for me would be the dark of the moon the one that involved like the moon landing and the big battle in chicago like they... that was good I yeah liked that a lot. and and here's the thing i had no problems with dark of the moon when i did see it i thought that the big battle scene at the end despite being 45 minutes of just explosions <laughs> and was laughing, pretty good yeah but i've never had the urge to watch that again i just felt it was forgettable why i don't know i guess it is kind of forgettable I would put most people's least favorite, The Last Night, as my fourth. I actually really liked the first hour of The Last Night. I think it completely fell apart in the second half because the entire movie completely changes. Like, they introduce this teen girl for the first half, this this kind of runaway, and she pairs him up with Mark Wahlberg, and then she literally disappears from the movie, and they bring in this British professor as a love interest who had no significance for the first half of the movie. And then they get into this weird mythology with Excalibur, I thought that there was some decent stuff. And again, low expectations, didn't mind it. Least favorite, Revenge of the Fallen. Hate, hate, hate that movie. It is so... Can you give your reasons? It's so overstuffed with too much stuff. Like, I remember even when it first came out, talking to somebody who's a big fan of Transformers. Like, the biggest fan of Transformers I ever met. An old boss of mine. He's just an old boss of mine. But he actually liked the movie. But he said it was like they had two movies and they crammed it into one. And there was just so much dumb comedy that didn't need to be there. I just, I hate Revenge of the Fallen. So you rank them. 
I haven't watched the Transformers movies in a long time. Based but, on what you remember. Okay. The one, I think the, shoot, the first one is top, is totally the top one. Mm-hmm. The third one is going to be second, because I really like that a Dark lot. Dark the Moon? Okay. Dark the Moon. Um, believe it or not. Um, yeah, Age of Extinction, before, Last Night, and Revenge of the Fallen. Yeah. I, oh, shoot, this is hard. I have not seen. Age of Extinction will be my third, last mm-hmm. night, and then Revenge of the Fallen. So basically, we just swapped Dark of the Moon and Age of Extinction. Yeah, basically. Okay, so but... then, this begs the question. What's the question? Where does Bumblebee fit in this? Number one. Number one. I completely agree. And I like the first Transformers movie, but this one blows the first Transformers movie away. Yeah, it's like pushing you to the side. Like, okay, you go over there and you just relax over there and we'll take over everything this, for you. This is the Transformers movie that I think everybody has wanted for years. It's also a Transformers movie that people who are not fans of Transformers, like yeah. you would nail the Transformers fan base with this movie. Like they're going to be, you know, over the moon with this. Somebody who's not a fan of Transformers will see this movie and will be like, that's kind of a cool movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like I said, it's touching at times in a weird way. I know. Uh, it's fun. It it's funny. Of, it has a lot of comedy, yeah. Like you said, pure goody. Yeah, it's got good action. <laughs> so I, would like, you buy this, rent it, or bin it? I would actually buy it. Because, I again, I really like this movie. I love the relationship between um, Charlie Boyfriend and, and girlfriend, yeah. Oh, come okay, okay. <laughs> friend and friend. There you yeah, go. There you I go. changed my I changed my decision. And I just loved everything about this. I, and if I would have, I would even want a standalone movie for Optimus Prime. Like, like mm-hmm. I mean, like starting, like I, how would I would begin if I was given the job, which I think would be, I if would. You're the next Travis Knight. <laughs> I would, um, I would set the place where he was Orion Pax, and then he would his evolution. His um, transformation to Optimus Prime, so that means Megatron would try to <laughs> overthrow him and stuff. And um, yeah, and then the start of the, that war of Cybertron. I think that's how it, I would go with it. You that. want the prequel leading up to the, the prequel bum- Bumblebee. <laughs> Basically. Cool movie. What, what would you do? What would you do if you were given the job to do an Optimus Prime standalone movie? What would you do? Well, I'd do whatever Optimus Prime was doing during the Bumblebee movie. Which really? is basically looking for the other Autobots. But, I think that's a great movie. But who would be the bad guys, basically? Who would... Well, you got to use Soundwave. Soundwave's done so well in this with the cassette tape and the voice. I'd do Soundwave. I think people would really want that. Hmm. And um, So I'm buying this too, by the way. Yeah, I would... And I wouldn't have expected it. I thought I was going to come into this and be like, this is a good rent... But no, this is a total buy for me. And Ben, I think you should watch this one. Well, and we'll then see. give your maybe, opinions. Maybe we'll get him to watch it. Um, speaking of Ben, we'll be back probably within 24 hours because we're going to get to Aquaman, which Jamie and I saw on opening night. Um, My mom and dad are actually seeing it tonight. Actually. It's a, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll tell a story in the Aquaman episode, but I'm going to go again. Um, and that's not even giving me my review. I have a, a trick as to how I'm going to go again. But uh, uh, Really? Can you reveal your trick the no. day before? Nope. Well, only on tomorrow's episode. Ah, uh, I'm not going to be here for tomorrow's well, episode. Well, then you'll have to wait to listen to it. Ah. You tell me if your mom and dad liked it. Okay, um, I will. So yeah, we'll get the Aquaman one out uh, tomorrow because Jamie couldn't be bothered to record an episode on this with me because uh, she's pregnant with twins. and Congratulations! Tired. Everyone give a hand for Aquaman. All right. Man. Yes. Why don't you give me a hand in six months to see if we survive it. Um, <laughs> but... I'm sure we'll get some opinions from Jamie because she likes Aquaman. She actually really liked Aquaman. 
Um, and you said that she liked it better than you. Yeah, I, I think she did like you. it more than me. But again, I, I, I that doesn't give Apparently, me some much. of you say that this will change the way that you look at superheroes. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, so, but I don't... Be, well, I think it's going to be a wild ride, even though I have not seen yeah. it at all. <laughs> well, you can come back on and tell us what you thought about it when we eventually do a recap. But that'll be coming up, uh, as well as all the regular episodes. But as far as other movie reviews, I don't know if we're going to get around to a Mary Poppins. I'll just say... If you like the original Mary Poppins, this is a good sequel slash remake in the way that The Force Awakens is a sequel slash remake of A New Hope. Um, but uh, that's all I could really say about it. Uh, your and next, Your next probably episode will probably be Captain Marvel, basically. Uh, that might be the next haven't. major one we get around to review for, but yeah. like, there's, there's other ones coming up. But primarily, we're going to be transitioning as far as the reviews go into once the Oscar nominations come out, we're going to do our all the best picture nominees uh you will be hearing lots of recaps as we said we're going to be doing our regular movie recaps uh which we finished up our christmas month uh and we're now going to be on hold for about a month or two and we're going to be coming back with an anniversary month uh which we just have to get a head start on recording these because again i have twins coming so there may be a delay on uh some episodes for a while so we're trying to bank as many as we can but lots of stuff still to come i would take the job for you if you want it i'm sure you'll be a perfect co-host uh (laughs) But anyways, uh, we'll be back tomorrow for Aquaman and then all the other regular episodes throughout the week. Thank you for joining me on this episode here, Rick. No problem. Uh, you, you actually extended your hand to shake my hand here. <laughs> and I'll be back for Avengers End- Endgame or maybe. Or <laughs> you're, maybe. You're announcing your return. Or maybe. I might be here for Captain Marvel. I don't know. All right. Maybe I will be. Okay. Well, you've announced your return. Now we've got to deliver. Anyways, uh, thank you for joining us. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts. And like us on Facebook. And, and follow us on Twitter. <laughs> and and maybe, Instagram. And maybe comment your favorite movie. Maybe. You let us know your favorite Transformers movie. Yeah. And if Revenge of the Fallen is the worst movie. It is the worst one. Uh, my name is Colin and never gonna give you, you up. <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Rick and... Hey, I'm here. What did I miss? Was that a line in the movie? <laughs> no, no, yeah. What did I miss? Like, no. <laughs> we already won, kid. And also, this is the end of the episode. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.